Hello, and welcome to A Life Worth Living's At Bat, where we focus on the digital side of information and communications as it relates to accessibility. I'm your host, Steve Perpich. Why do we call this podcast At Bat? Well, BAT stands for Business Accessibility Toolkit, a key project that A Life Worth Living has completed. This podcast allows the opportunity to share tips and stories with a digital business focus and help the community be aware of the advantages in making accessibility and inclusion part of your business planning because it's the right thing to do and it does help the bottom line. In today's podcast, I have a conversation with Adam Spencer, President and CEO of AbleDocs, the worldwide leader in document accessibility products and services. Adam, thank you so much for coming today. Uh, a life worth living is very honored to have your presence here. It's my pleasure, Steve. Thanks so much for having me. Excellent. Well, today we have a few questions for you, and some are about your business and 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 how AbleDocs is approaching uh, the accessibility market today. Uh, others are, are going to lead into uh, some of your new offerings, and so we're very excited to hear about that. Um, I'm going to go right into the questions. First of all, what is the difference between the offerings of AbleDocs versus a firm that sells overlays, for instance? The public is yeah, public is aware. And it's the perception of outsiders that AbleDocs is part of this accessibility industry. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it's coming to the public through social media and, and ads because if they show any interest in accessibility or inclusion, whether they're on LinkedIn or Facebook, the, the great machine kicks in yep. and you're getting these, um, these pop-ups and ads. Some of them are quite enticing, especially to a business owner where, wow, I could pay one fee, hand it over to my web designer, and all my accessibility issues are done. Magically. So what would make AbleDocs, uh, uh, I guess, what would make it different uh, from the perception of, of the public as well as, uh, yeah, what is the, your differentiator? Yeah, and, I, and thanks for that question. I think one of the things to remember is that there isn't an easy button for accessibility. There just isn't. It's a journey. It's a continuum. I've been doing this for over 14 years. And as much as we try to automate as much as possible, you still need to understand what content is being put onto a web page or into a document. Our foundational basis and, and thesis of the company is to ultimately automate everything. But we're not there yet. The technology can't understand all the content that's contained on a page. So our biggest differentiator is that we're putting standards first. This is not just a matter of whether content can be heard or consumed. It's, is it consumed in a semantically correct way? As a sighted reader, you're consuming content and you understand the relationship of content. You know a heading is a heading because it's big, it's bold, it's at the top of a page, it might be underlined, it might be a different color. But someone with a print disability can't perceive that difference of text. When we look at overlays as that easy button, they're wanting to say, well, you can hear it, so it's got to be accessible. Well, that only works for a certain population, and it's not providing you with the immersive experience of being able to skip content, navigate through different pieces on a page. Uh, When we look at large volumes of content, being able to skip chapters and understand a text description of, of an image, you know, using alternative text, none of that's contained in any of the overlays. And part of the problem, as you mentioned, with search engine optimization and pop up ads and the rest, a lot of the overlays have been able to convince private equity firms that this is the future. I'm not saying there isn't a place for overlays in the future. It's just not there today. And to claim that it's fully accessible and compliant is really putting an organization at risk. That becomes a massive liability challenge for an organization that's trying to comply with the AODA or any other legislation around the world. You're not meeting that minimum standard. So, for instance, we don't have a formalized 
accessible overlay at all. Correct. So, and, and you're saying it's not that it's impossible, simply just doesn't exist at this time. Exactly. The machine doesn't have enough information in it yet on, on any of the overlay companies to be able to say definitively, this is the accurate understanding of the content that you've put in your website. And now we can post that to a client. Because one of the founding principles of accessibility is making sure that we have equal but different access to content. That doesn't just mean, you know, we used to have people uh, phone into a, a call line to have their bank uh, statement read to them. That's not same and equal. That's providing a workaround because they, we didn't have a technology solution. But you're also running into privacy issues. What if that overlay misrepresents content on a page? If it's guessed that your bill owing is actually a credit to you, and you think, I don't know, $100 to the phone company, but in actual fact you do, all of a sudden there's no guarantee on that content. So how can you present that as equal access? So the, the guessing is part of the problem. And yes, it can get us a long way there, but in the opinion of many in the industry, myself included, the overlay companies have tried to oversimplify what accessibility is in order to sell a widget. That's not fair to anyone who's consuming that content. And to lay claim that you're fully compliant under the law is complete misrepresentation. Thank you for that. So with the multiple offerings of products and services that AbleDocs provides the market, when can a firm benefit from AbleDocs? Uh, what is your, I guess, your customer profile to use jargon, but what is the ideal customer for either entry level and then as, as the uh, customer gets uh, larger or expands, what would be that perfect time to enter into the, uh, I guess, AbleDocs world? Yeah, it, it's a question that we always receive. Well, we're not big enough or we're, we're not doing that project yet. And the, the short answer is probably six months ago was a great time to give us a call uh, if you're now thinking about accessibility. What we've done with our product offerings, and because we have so many, it's from our experience. We bring over, uh, combined over 300 years worth of accessibility experience in the senior leadership team. Trying to understand how organizations move through their, their accessibility strategies. We can start with awareness building, a simple you know, three-hour course. We can do a one-hour course for that matter. Allowing the teams on your side to understand what is digital accessibility? What are our obligations? What do we have to do? Why does this matter to us? Are we doing this because we're ticking a box uh, to make sure that we're compliant with the law? Or are we making sure that we're truly providing an immersive experience for, for everyone? The reason we've taken that approach and the reason we have so many offerings is because content is not created in a single channel. If you're a graphic designer, a single person graphic designer, you're creating content in InDesign. That content is being sold to a client. The client needs their content to be accessible. You need to be aware of what it is to make a, an InDesign file accessible so that your client can interact with it. If you're a bank, an insurance company, there's a complete uh, breadth of usage, but different channels for different types of documents. So we have solutions for Word documents, PowerPoint, uh, Google Suite, high volume transactional documents training on all of those things, web accessibility, and all of those components have to fit together. So regardless of the size of organization, there's a solution for making sure that that content is being produced in an accessible way. And there is not one size fits all. Anytime I see an organization say, we've solved all of your digital accessibility, well, you haven't if you only have one solution. That's just not how we create content. So though you've touched on this in some of your explanations previously, 
how does AbleDocs engage the client? You're touching on it with your, you're mentioning classes and various other things, but I guess your modus operandi, uh, your levels of engagement. Mm -hmm. How do you engage them? A lot of it is through public awareness. Um, I do a lot of public speaking around the world. Uh, I'm heavily involved in standards committees, uh, both, well, I'm involved on the document side and we have other team members who are involved on the web accessibility side. We're trying to educate as much as possible because most people aren't aware of what they don't know. So we start with that opening of, I know you think you know what you need to do for digital accessibility and make your organization accessible, but we're going to walk you through a few other pieces that you may not have thought about. And then that continuum starts with, we can start solving these problems. So we do a lot of outreach, we do a lot of conferences, we do a lot of speaking engagements, um, a lot of SEO and SEM, uh, search engine optimization and marketing campaigns. Uh, but trying to build that awareness out. We, we have a tremendous blog post uh, that's put out on a regular basis to make sure that we're educating the industry. Because there's a lot of misinformation and we wanna make sure that people understand what the difference is between true accessibility versus checkbox accessibility. Are there limitations to accessible content um, in context of today's technology? And do you see some of those limitations being overcome? It's funny, when I, when I first got into accessibility in 2009, I thought we were going to be out of business in five years. I was convinced we could solve this problem and, and make it a thing of the past. The reality is there's really nothing we can't make accessible. It's how efficiently we can make those things accessible. And we see constant improvement and research and development on how we make more things accessible at a faster rate. A lot of it comes down to awareness. And, and not from a position of malice. People just don't know what they don't know. And we're not teaching accessibility early on in education. So when a web developer graduates from school, they can make something look really cool on a web page. But it's horrendously inaccessible. So then we have to build workarounds rather than thinking about accessibility from the start. The reality becomes organizations need to find a balance between what's technically feasible, which is in theory 95% of things. We have problems with 3D, uh, 3D graphics being accessible as an example. Maps. Maps are a challenge because they're constantly reshifting content on a page. But I know a friend who, who made a fully accessible map for someone with um, uh, an engagement disability so they, they couldn't use their hands, but they could use Sip and Puff and they could navigate through the map and visually consume the content. So there are workarounds, but sometimes we have to be a little more creative. Where this goes forward, with enough awareness and enough planning in advance and organizations being committed to accessibility and quite frankly governments ensuring that organizations need to make sure their content is accessible i have no doubt that this will ultimately be fully automated in the future how far out that is my hope would be five years out the reality there's always going to be work there there we we will always have a continuing journey of of making new content accessible and new ways of engaging with things. I was on a conversation about electric vehicles. There's no standards for accessibility when it comes to electric vehicles. But someone in a mobility device can still buy an electric truck, but they can't reach the plug to then charge their car. So there's always going to be this continuum of new things come out. How do we make that accessible going forward? So what you're saying is you have to have acceptance or the will to you know, exercise a policy of inclusion and accessibility, create the policy 
of inclusion and accessibility and then design for it as you go forward. And then the limitations become a little more either apparent or, or manageable. Well, and I think if I, if I can add to that, I think the understanding of how important legislation is Organizations will always choose the path of least resistance. And the reality is we have we, we live ignorant lives. This is my life, this is what works for me, and I don't need to worry about others. Legislation allows us to understand that we need to be thinking about everyone else. Because that can happen at any time. The majority of people with disabilities are not actually born with disabilities. So we've got to create an inclusive world that when something happens, whether it's a temporary disability or an, uh, a brought-on disability uh, that becomes permanent, we've got a world that is completely barrier-free regardless of the situation at hand. So we're then thinking about how do we make the world around us barrier-free for everyone, not just selfishly me. And, and we have that even in the accessibility sphere where people with disabilities focus on their experience, not necessarily a broader experience. And I, I go back to standards. If we have a baseline, we can make things better from there. How do you maintain accessibility once it's established? So say they're on a path to accessibility, they've created their policies, they're managing it. Um, and when I say they, it could be an organization or an individual or professional. Uh, how does that maintained? It's a shifting culture. It's a continuum. You know, we see so many organizations say, well, we tested our website. We fixed our website. We're done. So let me understand. You've never put another piece of new content on your website? Well, of course, we put content all the time. Are you validating that? Are you testing when, when you're putting that content to make sure that it's accessible? When you have a culture of accessibility and everyone is thinking about that inclusivity from great design, color palette choice, font selection, how content is positioned on a page, the architecture of it, and you've got that top-down, bottom-up buy-in, everyone holds each other accountable. So that's where, you know, even when we're working with a client, we can start with a single PDF. And all of a sudden, it becomes this ever-growing experience with the client because things change. Staff changes. We've seen organizations who've hired a, a big accessibility team. And what happens is those people leave. So you've got to have that culture within the organization or within you as an individual to make sure that you're committed to making content accessible on an ongoing basis and not be afraid to ask for help. We don't know everything. Nobody can know everything. And technology changes so frequently that the techniques that we used five years ago in document accessibility have fundamentally shifted because technology has shifted. We have different approaches. And I don't know why, but there is a pervasive fear of asking for help. Why wouldn't you ask people who live this every day as professionals? And don't be afraid to do that because what you knew yesterday could have changed by tomorrow and the standards continue to evolve. The, the interactive capabilities, the browsers change, the, the underlying code changes all the time. So making sure that you, you build accessibility as a part of your corporate culture is a key pillar to the success of ensuring that you're not accessible just today. Today is a line in the sand. You've got to continue moving forward. Well, the fear of asking uh, is extended to the who you ask. Absolutely. That's one of the missions of A Life Worth Living is even providing that, that resource so that people can start their journey how to solve their problem or how to solve their uh, accessibility issue just by where do I start? And that leads to the next question. What does a business need to produce accessible content from the start? A commitment. They need a commitment. And they need to understand where their strengths and capabilities lie versus where they need help. What do you have that you can do yourself? And what are the things that you might need software for or services for? And I think that's a big part of 
why we're involved with a life worth living. It's building that education out because the communities are so large. We can't talk to everyone. We have to work together. And I, I will say, I think that's one of the greatest parts of our industry and accessibility, both from a technology standpoint and an advocacy standpoint. We want to find the best solution for the people who are asking, and in particular, the people who aren't. But not knowing who to call is part of the problem that, that a lot of organizations face. we got to solve this, so go to Google. Well, that ad popped up first. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to solve your problem. It means they spent more on marketing. Understanding who the people are that are committed and entrenched for the right reasons, not just a private equity firm's backing us and we're going to make a return. The balance for an organization to get that guidance and that ongoing learning because it continuously changes. You've got to start today. And today is going to be the hardest conversation you have because you don't have the awareness. And then it's incremental. You're able to then add to that knowledge and say, I'm not going to be your web developer. That's okay. But I know a guy. Or there's a great team over there that can help you with something else. And I, I love that collaboration in our space. It's fantastic. Well, turning commitment into action has been a challenge for in my career for the last 30 years, um, in both in logistics and in engineering initiatives. Uh, that's why I'm very intrigued with your AD Align tool. Um, I've received just recent exposure to it from your marketing material and uh, and then talking to your personnel. So to me, that seems like a, a, a tool that might help turn that commitment into action through um, either, a, like, is it a roadmap infrastructure? If you can explain your product to me and uh, also the levels of implementation. Again, is this something that can immediately be used by an individual or does it have to go to an enterprise? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and we have built a client journey based on that roadmap. So regardless of how you're, you're coming to us first, whether it's on the website, the document side, the training side, we're here to help. So what we've built is an online learning environment that is designed to help you when you need it. And then you've got our full team backing that. So as you go through courses to understand how to make websites accessible, documents accessible, different types of content accessible at your own pace, rather than having it through guided learning, you can log in at any time and get those answers that you need from one of the largest resource databases for digital accessibility that exists, written by the people who wrote the standards and or the laws that they apply to. So we've, we've really brought in the best of the best in the industry to try and provide that guidance to organizations of any size. The level of, of engagement is really at your pace. It will also help set you up for things like certifications, if you'd like to take them in the future, from the IAAP, as an example, the International Association of Accessibility Professionals. You're able to then build your team out at their pace and have that as a backstop. So you don't have to pick up the phone every second when it's just, I have this error, what do I do? Where do I go? What resource should I trust? That's why we, we built AD Align. We wanted to make sure that it was complementary for organizations to be, to have that as a, almost an internal expert without having them on staff. And from there, the, the decisions to implement different strategies from software or services and or additional in-person training, that's the entire AbleDocs model. So we're there to support when you're ready to engage with us. So what you're saying is it not only helps coordinate the tools, it'll coordinate either on an individual or team basis, whether the tools or the skill sets are there, as, as well as help almost perform a, um, I guess, a template for the, uh, a project execution. 
In other yeah. words, you, you need all these pieces. So then at least when you start the actual initiative, you know you have all the, the right players and the right parts. Well, and it almost can be used as a baseline for your team. So as, as staff turnover occurs, we need you to go through these courses just to make sure you're aware of what we're doing and the commitment that we've made as an organization to accessibility. It becomes a level set. So now you're able to say, go through this self-learning. You've got X number of, of weeks to, to get through that. And it really can act as a barometer to see the level of engagement that that person has to their commitment of accessibility. Is this someone that we want to have as a specialist? Is this someone that can have add-on capability of their job to include accessibility as part of their day-to-day? -day? Or have we just built an awareness for them when they're having those conversations with their teams? Hey, have, have we made sure that things are accessible? Yes or no? And even that becomes a better stepping stone going forward than, I've never heard of this. I don't know what the AODA is. I don't need to worry about it. It's not part of my job. The reality is it's part of all of our jobs. Well, that sounds like a critical component, especially uh, for larger strategic initiatives where um, you have a critical personnel who either turn out to be not qualified or they are not uh, replaceable yeah. for, for even just real and, and standard HR reasons. Absolutely. And, and I think one of the things that we've seen as a drawback from the legislation, and this isn't knocking the law that we have today, it's just we can continue to make it better as we see implementations succeed and, and have challenges. When organizations are trying to implement accessibility, they will typically do the bare minimum. It's just the reality. There's no need to sugarcoat it. But we need to make sure that the legislation is, is evolving as the technology evolves and is engaging with organizations not as a, an afterthought. This is part of what you do. You have to file taxes as a business. You have to make sure your content's accessible. Those types of, of shift in mentality are going to be critical to that success. So that a business owner of 20 people isn't going to just receive their tax bill and say, I need to make something accessible, throw it out. Or they'll call their web developer and the web developer has no idea. They need to be aware. We need to, to have this pervasive ability. And, and we've tried to, sorry, this pervasive ability to make sure that people understand accessibility. And we've tried to allow for easy entry points so that people can manage their awareness building for accessibility. And, and again, whether this is something that they become passionate about or at least aware about, that's what AD Align's there to do. Well, one thing I will counter you on is, though taxes are certainly not desirable, <laughs> the investment in accessibility, we do know, does increase the bottom line. Absolutely. So it's an easier sell than taxes. <laughs> so, Fair enough. 80 a line, it's better than taxes. <laughs> where's, where's our head of marketing? I know she's here somewhere. I think we got our new tagline. Excellent, excellent. Well, I think it's a big part of the, the shift in mentality of where we were engaging with people with disabilities, which, you know, quite honestly, not that long ago was institutionalizing them and, and marginalizing a population that still needs to be engaged in life. This, this is a reality. And to, to marginalize a group of, of, um, of individuals makes no sense. It makes no sense economically. It makes no sense socially. It makes no sense in any shape of, uh, from a human rights standpoint. Well, it's a waste of gray matter. The insights that exactly. those individuals may have may, may benefit society beyond our imagination. Exactly. And here we are. You can't cloister that. You have to engage it. You have to nurture it. What we have learned from making content accessible allows us to figure out how to do more things with content going forward. How we build buildings. How we build out public transit. How we 
how we ensure that everyone is able to engage and purchase and and uh, uh, interact with health professionals and and government and businesses. We all benefit from ensuring that that content is accessible. One of the arguments that I used to make um, when when mobile phones started coming out, if you make a website accessible, you don't need an app. The website can now be accessed on your phone because it's responsive. It benefits everyone. If your form is accessible, it can be interacted with. So you're not dealing with people's chicken scratch handwriting. You can actually read what's on there. It allows us to do so many more things in an easier way. And that's where the accommodation model was so individualized. It didn't benefit all. It was seen as an afterthought or an, or an accommodation. Uh, I don't want to use accommodation again, but it was an inconvenience because, oh, well, I'm going to need more time to deal with this and we don't want to hire that person because it's going to cost us more. If you're creating content to be accessible from the start, there's no accommodation. It works for everyone. Well, on a macro scale, you're increasing the efficiency of the entire system. Exactly. So it's illogical not to do this type of thing. It's orders of excellence and best practice. Well, and I think it's even how you get a foot in the door. And, and I tell this to our sales team. The number of times in my career in accessibility where I've heard, well, we don't have a blind person on staff. Okay. That you know of. 50% of the male population over the age of 60 has a color deficiency. Right. So use your arm as your gauge to look at things. Exactly. (laughs) And we've got an aging population. You think my parents aren't going to want to access your content? This is what we've grown up with. This is what we're, we're engaged with. So to shut that that population off makes no sense. It's one of the things that I applaud the AODA for in the first place. Politics aside, we have some of the most um, proactive accessibility legislation in the world. And a lot of the advocates who want more don't recognize how much more we have than the rest of the world. In the EU, there isn't accessibility legislation beyond government. So no industry has to make their content accessible. We do. We should be celebrating that and and being that beacon of of hope uh, for a barrier-free world. And and I, for one, believe that we can do more, but it's a good first step and and we should be celebrating it. Excellent. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for your time today. It was a very enlightening experience and we really appreciate it. It's my pleasure, Steve. Thanks so much for having me. The Business Accessibility Toolkit is a set of multimedia learning tools designed specifically to assist businesses in educating and training their staff on how businesses are incorporating accessibility in the workplace. That will primarily feature video content. Live footage and animated shorts will lead the user, being the trainer and trainee, through the training exercise. Supporting the videos will be PDF documents and images to build your own binders and policies. Each component will exist as a standalone instruction tool capable of inclusion in larger lesson plans or full courses. These tools can truly empower businesses to maximize the potential of employers and employees. That's it for today. I'm Steve Perpich. Look for our next episode of A Life Worth Living's At Bat Podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and Anchor, or look up the podcast page on our website at alifeworthliving.ca.